What's happening, everyone? Welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and I got my counterpart, my brother, and Yezin. What is going on, player? Oh, I'm good. The sun is shining, the weather's nice, and I finally got outside and I played some basketball. And let's just say I'm rusty as all hell, but I still got it. I still got it. New York Knicks on line one. New York Knicks on line one. I've been trying to call, man. They just keep me on hold. It's been years now, but they don't they don't want an energy guy, bro. What do you want me to do? Hey, well, Mitchell Robinson haven't been playing much this season, so maybe they might need someone of your skill set to hop on. I mean, he's a full foot taller than me, and his reach is probably twice as mine. But hey, I mean, listen, if they need someone to come in, like a, you know, an on-spot defender, like, I don't know, Frank Nilakina, maybe, you know what? I'm here. Call me. I got high energy. Let's go. Defense rebounding. I can't shoot for all hell, so I'm a pretty much a liability on offense. But yo, let me, let me defend. Give me the rock. Let's do it. <laughs> Hey, man, height doesn't measure heart. You got to think about it that way. It's just like our guy Marcus Stroman has said in the years past, though. So. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, with me, it's been utterly mucky outside with this nasty humidity, but that's really the only reason why I couldn't hoop. We'll see. Hopefully things start to turn out pretty well in the next couple of days, and I'll get my three-point shots down the line. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, as if you, as if you ever lost it, please. It's like riding a bike for you. Let's get to it. So to be honest, I wanted to get through a Western Semis preview, but it's hella awkward right now as there's been notable changes in the NBA playoff bracket. But we still got a lot to talk about. We can talk about what has happened as well as some of the key injuries that left some of the series predictions up in the air. Let's get the show on the road. Let's drop this beat. So on this week's segment of Run That, we'll address the elephant in the room within the NBA landscape, and that is the Phoenix Suns, as they have dismantled the shorthanded Denver Nuggets with a 4-0 sweep, who would have thought, and punching their ticket to the Western Conference Finals. They were led by their point guard, point guard himself, Chris Paul, aka CP3, as well as the elite play from Devin Booker, and lastly, that supporting cast. All-around team effort, which has propelled the Suns to a territory that they're not really familiar with, and that is the Western Conference Finals. With all that being said, Yazin, do you think the Suns have what it takes to keep the momentum pushing and ultimately win the NBA title? So the Suns are the reason why we couldn't do the podcast the way we wanted to do it. We wanted to give like a thumbs up, thumbs down for all the the first round West losers, and then kind of preview the second round. But one of the games in the second round is already over, so. Uh, now we've kind of have to shift gears a little bit, um, and for good reason. Uh, the Suns have come out, and you know they they sucker punched uh, the Denver Nuggets right in the face, and they took the MVP out. The, only the fourth time in NBA history in which an, a reigning MVP uh, has been swept out of the playoffs. Uh, you know, and you saw the frustration boil over with Jokic on that foul that got him ejected, ended his season early. Um, this Suns team is for real. Uh, you know, we've we've kind of thought about all right you know uh what's their ceiling you know is it is it just a cp3 effect like you know you and i probably had them in the in the lower echelon of you know playoff teams eight seed seven seed here they are second seed and now they've already punched a ticket they're going to get a pretty nice break heading into the western conference finals given you know utah and la are headed to game four um so 
it's going to be good for CP3 to get some rest, you know, at his age. But it, it, when I say at his age, like this guy dropped 37 in an elimination game, like you can't tell that he's any older. Uh, you know, he feels slighted. Uh, I guess he feels rejuvenated now. He's playing with a guy like Devin Booker, who, you know, when you compare this to like the the Rockets team of, of Paul and Harden, Booker's a younger, taller James Harden, a little more physical. Um, Aiton is, is much better than Clint Capella was at that time. Uh, and that supporting cast, you know, like I said, Jay Crowder was was very instrumental. Cameron Payne was a nuisance, as you saw, as he got the Jokic to, to, to draw that foul. Um, you have guys like, you know, Cam Johnson. You have guys that filling out that roster. And when you have CP3 at the helm, the captain, uh, look at me. I'm the captain now. Like, this is my squad. I, I, I took you from absolute squander to Western Conference Finals. So, um, can they win a championship? I think so. You put it all together. Uh, that veteran leadership, you know, Devin Booker, superstar in the making. We've talked about him before. Uh, so I, you know what, compared to the Utah Jazz and, and the LA Clippers, they look like the most complete team right now. So uh, I wouldn't put it past the uh, the Suns to make it a pretty easy Western Conference Finals trip to the uh, to the NBA Finals. Man, to be honest, they keep surprising me every time. So that's why I don't want to say that they can't win the championship. I totally think they could. And personally, I think the Suns are equipped top to bottom as a team. By the average fan standards, they're not the sexiest team when it comes to superstar appeal. But they got guys that can do things at a good level at worst, right? And that's what you need to contend. They got a floor general who can make his teammates better as well as save the day when it, when the game gets tight in Chris Paul. And then you got your assassin that can score almost at will and carry the confidence of an elite player in Devin Booker. And then to add all that, you got plethora of wing defenders that can shoot the ball at a high clip from three and Mikel Bridges, Jay Crowder. And then in addition, you got another guy who can give you a double-double and elevate his play with you know a guy like CP3 on the team with DeAndre Ayton. And then lastly, you got the bench mob that can provide aggressive scoring and a, and, and a spark when the stars are fully rested and, and are needed in Cameron Payne and Torrey Craig and others. And yeah. Oh, by the way, how could I forget a leader, a coach who's battled through adversity on and off the court that's beloved by his players and help uplift the spirits in Monty Williams? I mean, yep. I literally just described a Disney-esque like basketball team that can make the finals in a movie. And so far, they're eight games away in doing so, or eight wins, rather, away from doing so. Simply a feel-good story, and I'm rooting for CP3 to win the finals. He truly deserves it. So to kind of wrap things all up, I do think the Suns have what it takes to keep the momentum pushing. It's going to be a really exciting series. Whoever comes out of that Jazz Clippers series is going to be very exciting Western Conference Finals and ultimately an NBA championship. Yeah, I mean, Monty Williams, you got to give him enough credit. I mean, uh, I know my boy Tom Thibodeau won Coach of the Year. We haven't really talked about that. I was actually kind of surprised that he did because I thought Monty Williams had that in the bag. But, you know, easily an easy number two pick there for uh, for Coach of the Year. You know, like you said, battle adversity. He's He's been through the trenches. He's been to the playoffs. Uh, you know, he was a great player. He's, he's a great coach. Uh, and you kind of have two coaches there, him and, and, and CP3. They like they kind of play off one another. Uh, and those young guys are really benefiting. The one guy I think is benefiting the most, not actually Devin Booker or Aiden. It's, it's, I think it's Mikhail Bridges. Mikhail Bridges is playing phenomenally on both ends of the floor. Uh, you've seen him swap back shots. He chased down MPJ uh, in that, you know, in that eliminating game. 
his three-point stroke has been pretty phenomenal. Uh, he's really filling in, uh, you know, that that wing spot there. You know, Philadelphia. How did you trade him on draft day for 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 pennies on the dollar? Villanova Zara guy, Smith, home, man, hometown guy. Zaire Smith, yeah. Where is he now? Not on Philadelphia. You know, uh, he's a hometown guy, Philly guy. Went to Nova. You traded him on draft day, and now guess who's reaping the benefits? The Phoenix Suns. Uh, so you know, shout out to McCoverages. But yeah, you got to give Monty Williams a ton of credit here. He's he's the mastermind of a lot of this. It was funny. I keep forgetting that Mikhail Bridges' mom is like an HR director for the Philadelphia 76ers, yet they draft him and then traded his son away. Like, to me, it's just so funny to hear. Doesn't make sense. Like, when you think of how perfect that pick would have been, it would have been absolutely perfect. And they traded him for Slam Dunk. This is ridiculous. Yeah, Yeah, Slam Dunk pick. But again, the Suns are a fun team to watch. Obviously, they not only met expectations, but they exceeded it with the acquisition of Chris Paul and the way this team has elevated themselves into where they are right now. I'm looking forward to see where they will push. And hopefully, if they're able to win a championship, that's another final thing that Chris Paul needs to add to his uh, long-lasting legacy. So kudos to the Suns, and let's get pushing to the next series in the Western Conference, and that is the Clippers and Jazz. The Jazz have been giving the Clippers the absolute work in Game 1 and Game 2, handling business as they propel themselves to a 2-0 lead heading back to Los Angeles. On Saturday night, however, the Clippers punched the Jazz back in the face and cut the lead in half. Are the Jazz in trouble with the emergence of Pandemic P, or shall I say vaccinated P? Oh, come on, man. I personally don't think the Jazz are in trouble simply because I didn't think the series was over when it was 2-0. And like they always say, the series starts once the road team wins. And so far, it hasn't been the case yet. The one thing that I kind of preached over the first two games that I haven't seen that I now see in Game 3 is Kawhi finally guarding Donovan Mitchell for once. I mean... I didn't understand what the game plan was with Ty Lue. This guy always looks confused on the side of the bench, but you got to put Kawhi on Donovan Mitchell, get him flustered very early, so then he starts pulling ridiculous shot attempts, ill-advised shots, and kill the Jazz rhythm. The issue was Donovan Mitchell was looking for guys who was his primary defender, such as Paul George and Nicholas Batum looking out for those type of guys and just exploiting them, right? Dropping 40, 50 pieces with ease. Now you got a guy like Kawhi that can just go and just defend you. And I understand that people are saying that, you know, Kawhi uh, doesn't want to burn himself out in the beginning of the series. But at the end of the day, if all he needs to do is really guard Donovan Mitchell in the first quarter and get him flustered because that would dictate his flow for the rest of the game. I get guys can get hot late in the game, but it's, it gets really hard when they're cold at the beginning. And I think that Kawhi needs to set that level. And that's what happened in game three. In addition to that, the emergence of Paul George. And it's, it's sad for us to see this every time where he'll have a stretch of good games, right? And then disappear, right? I think game one, he shot like what, two for 14, something absolutely atrocious like that. And then, you know, show up big time in game three to help propel the Clippers to a win in the series. It just, the wishy-washy Jekyll Hyde situation really needs to be eliminated. And Paul George needs to be that ultimate second fiddle. Again, I don't know why it's asking for a lot because the Paul George that we saw with the Pacers versus the Paul George we see with the Clippers and OKC. OKC, he was pretty good too. But what we see with the Clippers as a second fiddle, I'm not too sure why he's not living up to expectations. But at the end of the day, that's something that uh, Paul George needs to continue on moving forward if the Clippers can stand a chance. And then lastly, 
the supporting cast providing offensive punch. You got guys like Reggie Jackson, who I'm sure the Lakers were wishing that Dennis Schroeder would have been in terms of the production that he provides from the offensive side of the ball. You got Nicholas Platoon hitting three-pointers. You got Luke Kennard coming in and out of the lineup. You got Terrence Mann, who really surprised me as, you know, a second-year player uh, showing how fearless he is uh, coming in in crucial moments of the game. And Marcus Morris, you know, hitting seven threes. Like, I mean, like, he's like, what? Like, Mook. Let's yeah. go, Mook. <laughs> it's, it's ultimately, it, it comes down to the supporting cast and Kawhi taking the primary assignment of Donovan Mitchell to put the Clippers in a position to challenge the Jazz to punch that ticket to the Western Conference Finals. So uh, I think the Jazz are in trouble only because of the fact that the Clippers are now woken up and now it's anybody's series. So if the Clippers are able to tie the series heading back to the Jazz, oh boy, the Jazz got our hands full, that's for sure. There's one name uh, that you didn't mention there in that supporting cast and I think is is very crucial to this. uh, as Patrick Beverly. Uh, And I think this playoffs has exposed Patrick Beverly as supremely overrated as a defender. Supremely overrated. Luka Doncic absolutely cooked him. Barbecue chicken. All right, made him got unplayable. Him, made him unplayable. Got him looking like Tyrone Biggums out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just looks like so lost. Doesn't know what he's doing. Hair is all crazy. People talking about, oh, Patrick Beverly, you know, how valuable he is. He doesn't look valuable at all. He actually looks like a problem for the Clippers. Uh, and you've seen that with Donovan Mitchell. They tried to play him on Mitchell. What did Mitchell do? Cooked him. Cooked him. Over, gave him 40 pieces. And they're having 40 points in the first two games, you know? So, yeah, you had to put Kawhi, your best defender, on uh, Donovan Mitchell. Even putting, uh, you know, Paul George. He's a great defender, too. You could have put him on him, you know? That first quarter of Game 3, uh, Mitchell was scoreless, and he was completely awful. Uh, obviously, he picked it up later, but like you said, it set the tempo for the rest of the game because the Clippers built the lead, uh, and you know the Jazz really didn't encroach back on it. And it took Donovan Mitchell to start forcing shots, forcing his way in, and, and you know that hurts the Jazz when there's not a flow to the game. Uh, so when he had Patrick Beverly on him, it was, like I said, barbecue chicken, baby, it was easy work. You know, I think I think Patrick Beverly is not going to have uh, much of a you know, a stint in LA following this season, because really at this point, it looks like the ship has sailed on him being a premier defender. He just looks like a guy who fouls a lot, basically, uh, you know, fake tough guy kind of gimmick. Um, so yeah, you got to put Kawhi on him, put, put Paul George on him, put Terrence Mann on him. Terrence Mann on him was actually, you know, he was, uh, he was a pretty good defender in that game too. He, he's a spark plug full of energy. Uh, you know, he's the kind of guy you want on Mitchell. So this game, this series, this playoffs has exposed Patrick Beverly, uh, and I think he might find himself out of the rotation fairly soon. Uh, it was kind of like a, you know, uh, an El- the Alfred Payton situation with the with the Knicks, how he was starting for the whole season, and then he kind of exposed himself as being pretty useless. Uh, wasn't was horrible on offense. wasn't a great defender like everyone thought he was. Then didn't see, so you know, saw a couple of DNPs afterwards, and has not been seen again. Probably won't be seen again. So Beverly will probably follow the same uh, fate. So, yeah, I mean, listen, Kawhi down 0-2, when he gives you that look, listen, you can't count him out. You cannot count Kawhi Leonard out. I think the, Clipper, uh, the Clippers have enough to get it back into uh, into this series, tie it up, and I think they can win it. Uh, Kawhi Leonard last game was perfect from in the fourth quarter. You want that from, from a guy. That's a killer. That's a dog. That's a superstar right there. Uh, so this is really falls on Kawhi on both ends. He needs to have that motor. You know, there's no rest days for him. He likes to have his rest days. 
no more rest days. You got to be on it on offense and on defense. So I feel like the Clippers can win this series still. I think it's still up in the air, uh, but it really depends on Kawhi Leonard on both ends. Yeah, no kidding. And when you look at the fact that the Clippers have the potential to tie the series heading back to Utah, Utah cannot afford to shift that momentum so quickly to Game 5 in Utah because when Kawhi Leonard has a tied series on his record, he's going to go ham to make sure that he can close it out as quickly as possible. So you don't want to see that, you know, that 45-15-5 LeBron face. Kawhi definitely has that face when he was looking at uh, Milwaukee in 2019 when he was down 0-2 in the series. So that's one thing that Utah got to make sure is punch the Clippers in the face in Game 4 and just make sure you come back with that 3-1 lead heading back to Utah. You cannot afford the Clippers to get back into this series. But like you mentioned, it's all on Kawhi. If Kawhi can hold his own on the defensive end, which we're sure that he's capable of doing, as well as providing the offensive spark and getting that support from Paul George and supporting cast, oh boy, it's going to be one hell of a series. Yeah, just get Patrick Beverly out of here and let's start the series for real. <laughs> yeah, where's Luca when we need him? But All right, let's head on over to the East where we got an absolute chaos out there as the Bucks tied the Nets 2-2 heading into Barclays Center for a pivotal Game 5. Lots has gone on during this time as a controversial clutch mishap occurred. <clears throat> Bruce Brown <clears throat> costed Brooklyn Game 3. Then, in the following Game 4, they lose Kyrie Irving to an ankle injury, which puts his status of Game 5 up in the air. There is a lot needed from KD at this point. Do you think KD can lead the Nets past the Bucks, Yezin? <laughs> Bruce Brown. Can we can we rewind? Bruce Brown was taking the last shot in that game, in game three. Listen, uh, you know, Steve Nash, great player, phenomenal player, Hall of Famer. Uh, did you draw that play up? Did Mike D'Antoni draw that play up? Who's going to get the blame for that one? You have KD and Kyrie on that team, and Bruce Brown is tossing a floater up. You're not allowed to shoot, Bruce Brown. You know, we've, we've, it's like, uh, you know, the SNL impersonation of, of Stephen A. Smith. You know, Mario Chalmers should not have arms to shoot a basketball. That's the same thing with Bruce Brown. You should not be able to shoot a basketball in a game when you have those two players. And it costs him that is? game. Do you know what it is, though? I think Bruce Brown thought he was Bruce Wayne and tried to save the day. He tried to play hero and just flat flat out didn't work out, bro. You went from Batman to Crap Man, bro. That's all I got to say. Yeah, Crap Man. That's a good one. I'm going to start calling him Crap Man from now on. Well, let's be nice. Yeah. Let's be nice. We don't have to go there. I mean, you're not wrong, but you didn't have to say it. I mean, good Lord. You were it was bad. Uh, and then, you know, game four, they came out uh, and, and the Bucks were really locked in and then Kyrie goes out. So now game five, no Kyrie, no James Harden against a really, really motivated Bucks team who thinks I think they've kind of figured it out. The first, the first two games, blowouts. They were not ready. You know, they were not in their league. Uh, and then those two games uh, at home, like I said, if game three goes differently, we're talking about a completely different story. But they won it. It was close. And then game four wasn't even in question. So now game five, you have no Harden. You have no Kyrie. But you're on the road. You got to win on the road. The Bucks have to win on the road. It, 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 there's no other explanation behind it. You have to win a road game. Like you said, the series starts when the road team wins. And, you know, they haven't done it yet. You know, and when you're the lower seed, you got to steal one on the road. This is your chance. No Kyrie, no Harden. Listen, throw every single player on Kevin Durant, all right? Defend him with the mascot. 
You know what I'm saying? Bring bring the Brewers, bring the Packers, bring everyone in the state of, of, of Wisconsin, uh, everyone in Milwaukee, and have them defend Kevin Durant and let Bruce Brown, crap man, take those shots. Let him take those shots. Let let Blake Griffin live and die by the three. That's You have to shut down Kevin Durant completely and let those other guys, you know, a lot of people can't name half the Nets roster, let them beat you. And then Giannis... You gotta be honest. You gotta be the MVP. People were clowning you when you were defending KD. You know, you have to be that that defender. He just made all defensive team, first team today, just announced. You gotta show up. They've been throwing PJ Tucker at uh at Kevin Durant and it's worked. PJ Tucker has stifled him, especially in those last two games in Milwaukee. But PJ Tucker can't be on the floor the whole time. PJ Tucker can't be that that guy the whole time you know Giannis you're gonna have to pick up the slack on defense if Giannis can even if they can cancel each other out Giannis and KD the Bucks win that win game five uh and then you know game six it all depends on the health of the Nets um but if you know Giannis can get them to cancel out KD they're gonna win that game and they're gonna take momentum so going back home to Milwaukee they need to win this game this is the biggest game of Giannis's life yeah I mean simply put the Bucks have to win game five but do I think the Bucs are going to win despite the Brooklyn Nets injuries? I'm not entirely sure because to me, I think that if KD puts up, you know, a 40, 50 point performance with a few guys chipping in, you know, 10 to 15 points, it will give them a fighter's chance to win game five and then anything is possible. Um, I think that Brooklyn really got to go hard on this game. KD got to leave it all on the floor because this would be very beneficial for Kyrie's health situation because when you think about it, if the Brooklyn Nets were to secure a Game 5 win heading into Milwaukee without playing Kyrie Irving in Game 5, that gives Kyrie a bit of rest to get his ankle up and running, at least to get to like, what, 60-70%. And a 70% Kyrie Irving is something that the Brooklyn Nets would gladly take. And let's say, for example, they do drop Game 6 because Kyrie Irving doesn't play again. Then game seven, that gives them extra time to play in a game seven. And then that you might get maybe an 80, 85% Kyrie, and that'll give even you a better chance to win. But I understand that momentum is very critical, especially in this series. And you brought up a good point where if if KD and Giannis do cancel each other out, the Bucks have a better roster at that point because you guys you got guys like Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and others that can chip in you know, at least a 20-piece that can help secure the dub. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a big game, not only for KD, but also for Giannis as well. And just getting back to KD for a second, you know, this is the first time that he's in a high-leverage game where he doesn't have much help, right? And people are talking about, you know, the best player in the world not having much help. And, you know, a guy by the name of LeBron James pops up into conversation, you know. Just looking at KD, if he's able to pull away with a victory, not only in this game five, but in the series with limited help, I feel like that will pay dividends to his legacy that's been considered not quote unquote tarnished, but at least a stain in the fact that he's always played with great players. If he's able to get out of that series with that lingering over his head, I feel like that'll pay dividends. It'll bode well for his uh, legacy, that's for sure. So game five is going to be their game seven and oh, it's going to be a good one. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I agree on the KD talk. I mean, every time he's won, he's won with another superstar or two or three. Uh, he has them now, but they're not here. So uh, this is going to be KD's first time, really, since he was playing for the Supersonics uh, back in 07, where he's going to have to 
you know, do it himself uh, and, and, and carry the load. And if he can do it, my God, my God, we're going to be talking about this guy as the best player in the world right now. But he has to do it. And it's going to be a tall order. Giannis looks very, very plugged in. Uh, Chris Middleton has been great on offense. Uh, you know, even guys like Drew Holiday have been good. P.J. Tucker has been clamps, at least in the last game. You know, the first two games, not not so much. But I think they've kind of figured out the defensive coverage on him. Pat Connaughton has been playing well as a guard defender. Um, but, yeah, like you said, if KD is not is not in it, the Bucks are going to take it. And they need to take it. I think the Bucks need this more then the Nets need this game, for sure. Oh, no doubt. Let's talk about the classic Bucks and Six meme. <laughs> I'm sure they want to keep on to, into relevancy, that's for sure. And I've seen it everywhere. And if they believe it, you know what? You got to pull through. Giannis, get all the smoothies you want, man. Listen, I know you love smoothies. Drink them up now and, and get ready for, uh, for a showdown, man. An absolute showdown. Big facts. Well, that wraps up Brundat. Let's head on over to AO Moment of the Week. AO, what the f***? I'm sure for the second week in a row, we're probably going to be sharing that same AO Moment of the Week. Don't you feel that feeling, Yezin? Don't you feel it in yourself right now? I don't know, man. I don't know what you're talking about. I got a good one, but let's see. Because here we go with these reps. Here we freaking go. During last night's game in Denver, the Nuggets were trying to climb back from a small deficit. But for some reason, and probably rightfully so, Jokic was not getting his calls that he was looking for down the stretch. He was looking to take out his frustration, and he ended up doing so on a loose ball that was recovered by Cameron Payne, and swiped emphatically at the ball and perhaps clipped his face, but to me it seemed pretty clean. It was up for review, and the consensus was maybe a flagrant one. You know, I was talking to a few friends of mine, I was listening to the broadcast, we're like, okay, you know, he hit him in the face a bit, but... Most of it got to the ball, so, you know, the bit of the wind-up, maybe a flagrant one. But here we freaking go with these refs. Never a dull moment. They decided to be heroes once again and hit Jokic with a flagrant two. I repeat, a flagrant two. For those of you who don't know what this is, it's basically a foul awarded to any extreme non-basketball play which results in an ejection. Yes, you heard that right, an ejection. The NBA reigning MVP who does not have a rep for dirty play was ejected out of a potential series-ending game. Like, I mean, something's got to give. Adam Silver got a big offseason ahead of him because if he wants to save this league, he's got to make changes. This is utterly ridiculous. Yes, and take it away, man. I'm sick. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's obvious what's being done out here. It's on a nightly basis. I hope the world can see now what's really going on out here because it's getting ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. I did see that, and I'm going to talk about that. There was a flagrant one. It was a flagrant one. There was an, a deliberate wind-up, and the wind-up is big uh, because when you have your hand that far back and you're a seven-footer, almost 300 pounds, and you're winding up, I mean, listen, it doesn't matter if you hit his arm, his leg, his head, his knee, his shoulder. It's going to hit him, and it's going to hurt, and it could potentially injure a guy. So the wind-up, absolutely. Flagrant one. Flagrant two, listen, this is the playoffs. You can't be calling flagrant two unless the guy straight up punches you in the face. All right? It was a close Especially game, the too. It was a close a game. game. Like, Denver was right there this entire time during the game to ultimately push the game and extend the series, which ultimately helps us because we can have our West Semis preview. But here we go with these freaking reps. <laughs> they ruined the podcast, man. They ruined the podcast. 
Uh, it wasn't it wasn't worth the flagrant two. It wasn't worth an ejection. Uh, the flagrant one, yes. You know, I guess it might have been the, the jaw jacking between him and and, uh, and Booker that might have got him a little bit ejected too, because he looked like he was kind of angry afterwards and was pretty pretty furious and pretty mean. Um, so you know, the funny tweet I saw was Terrence Ross uh, tweet that you know Jokic has quote and I quote. Uh, Jokic has done this to me too, uh, and he slapped the black out of me. So I mean, I don't know if Jokic has a bad rap for that, but uh, apparently Terrence Ross thinks so. So yeah, it doesn't he doesn't deserve the, the you know the flagrant two and the ejection to end the season like that, especially without Murray and and you know the the game kind of you know went away from them afterwards. But do you know what's the funny? I saw, speaking of Twitter, speaking of Twitter, I saw a funny tweet where someone said that. Devin Booker is going to be looking through his peephole tomorrow morning and see four Serbians with bats waiting for him. <laughs> He's going to see Jokic's brothers. Have, did you see his brothers bro, tatted they, up? Bro, it look, yo, they look like one of those older brothers that, like, wanted to get Nikola Jokic out of the hood. And, like, you know, he had some kind of talent, something special, and they don't want it to be ruined in the street. So they decided to put him in a basketball program. It was just so funny to see, man. There's memes all they, around. They look, they look like the guy from GTA 4, man. Like, you know, like just just straight up hardened, you know, tatted up, jacked. They, they look like they sacrificed their lives so that Jokic could have an MVP life. But, you know, hopefully, you know, Devin Booker and, you know, Kendall Jenner are kind of cooped up somewhere safe with a lot of security because he might have some people coming after him. I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? But my AO moment of the week is not the refs. And it does come from this series, though. It comes from game three, not on the court. But in the stands, uh, where we had a fight, a lot of fights going on in this <laughs> oh, series. Man, that's a good we, one. We had a fight between two fans, a Suns fan and a Nuggets fan. Actually, I think it was two Nuggets fans. I don't know the particulars behind it. I don't know who if who started it. Uh, but all I know is that the Nuggets fan tried to cheap shot the Suns fan. And then the Suns fan proceeded to give this guy a three-piece meal with extra biscuits, extra gravy, just boxed him up real nice hockey style grabbed his jersey pummeled him with uppercuts boom 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 left him a bloody mess and that's not the kicker because we've seen fights in the nba crowd before it happens all the time this is america you know what i'm saying fights happen everywhere in sporting events but the kicker here is that he was holding the man straight up holding the man in one hand looking at the camera looking at his boy and he says sons in four Puts his hand up. So not only did he beat the crap out of this guy, send him home packing, bloody nose and everything, insult to injury, he says, Suns in four, and then guess what? Suns win in four. Come, hey, yo, man, that is completely insane. This guy has the cojones to beat a guy up and then tell him that his team is going to whoop his team's ass and then they do. This guy's an absolute legend. Devin Booker uh, called, you know, to try to find who this guy is. He wants his details on Twitter. I hope they get connected. I hope he becomes Devin Booker's bodyguard uh, and, you know, fighting, you know, those those Serbians that might be coming after him. Because <laughs> this guy straight up two-pieced him, three-pieced him, four-pieced him. Listen, hire him at KFC because he knows all the combos, man. And he said sons in four with the confidence, the bravado, the machismo to be to say, listen, I beat you up and my team whooped that ass. That's my moment of the week. Man, do you know what's so funny about that, though? It's like, how about that second Nuggets fan just standing there watching his boy get ripped into shreds and knowing the fact that if he were to jump in too, 
he would be in the same boat. He would have caught those hands. He would (laughs) have caught those hands, man. Yeah. It's just like, it's just a helpless situation. Frankly, for me, I still go down swinging, even even if it means I'm going to get my ass whooped. But it was just so funny to see that. And the fact that his prediction ended up being true. They got to give the man the bag, man. They got to they, they gotta give they gotta some, some jerseys. Him. They got to so, sign him. For real, for real. Put, put him on the court, man. Listen, if he's on the court, the Suns are winning the championship. Call it right now. Guarantee. Guarantee. Those were some great AMOs of the week. Man. <laughs> I'm still dying, man. I, I, I really wish one day, if obviously I don't condone violence, but being in a stand where I'm seeing two guys getting laid out, just straight up hands being thrown everywhere. It's something I'd like to see in a playoff, in a playoff game that I wanted to attend, but uh, I'm sure that security is going to jump into that pretty quickly, at least at the Air Canada Centre, formerly known as Air Canada Centre, a.k.a. Scotiabank Arena. They're pretty good with that, the security, but I guess Listen, that's America. If you're, the, if you're in the nosebleeds, there's no guarantees, man. No, no one can see you up there. You, you might not even exist as security. They're like, you know what? Those guys came in here on forty dollars tickets. I'm not, I'm not wasting my time. I don't get paid enough to fight, stop a fight up there. Nope. That is true. That is true. Well, that wraps up AMO of the week. Let's head over to games of the week. I love this game. <laughs> All right. I mean, with the playoffs, it's pretty self-explanatory. We don't have really much options going on with the games of the week, so. I think we can basically have a consensus and agree upon the fact that game five between the Bucks and the Nets are going to be our games of the week. Don't you think? Absolutely. That's, that's the game of the week. That's the game of the series. That might be the game of the playoffs because if the Bucks can win and, and, and be up 3-2 against the consensus pick for the championship and put them against the ropes with two hobbled injured superstars and not soft injuries, man. These are ankles and hamstrings. You need both of these injury, you know, these, these, these body parts really to, to, to play in the NBA. You get a, you know, messed up finger, you know, shoulder a little nicked up, whatever. It's fine. Your ankle and your hamstring, if you don't have those straight, it's going to linger. Uh, so if the Bucks, they need to come out there and need to punch them in the face, kind of like that Suns fan, uh, and, and, and take out the Nets right here, right now, and, and give themselves two opportunities to eliminate them. So game five, that's the game of the week. Absolutely agree. Let's get that popcorn ready, boy. That wraps up games of the week. Let's head on over to Blog Boy Talk. So all your blog boys and fanboys that's going to use everything I say and create an article, yeah. watch a basketball game. How about you write that? I do understand the last few playoff episodes, we did not have Blog Boy Talk, but we got ourselves a question. And our question is, if Chris Paul does not win a ring this year, does that diminish his legacy? Yazin, what do you think of that? Uh, my answer is no. Uh, Chris Paul is one of the greatest point guards of all time, uh, just based off of his on-the-court production. Uh, John Stockton is one of the greatest point guards of all time, didn't win a championship. Allen Iverson is one of the greatest point guards of all time, didn't win a championship. Um, so it, it's hard in, in, in this NBA, these debates that go on about you know legacies and solidifying and, oh, did he win a ring? There's a lot of Hall of Famers that did not win rings, a lot of them, especially those who played in the era of Michael Jordan. Uh, he prevented a lot of people from getting that elusive ring. Uh, and, you know, in this era now, Chris Paul, I mean, it was kind of the the LeBron, Golden State, you know, decade really where those, you know, one of those two teams were winning the championship besides, you know, I guess the Raptors, but whatever. Let's forget about them. Um, so, you know, Chris Paul, I think he's, he's, he's the point god for a reason. That's what they call him. Um, 
I think this championship would add to it because the fact that he took a team that wasn't in the playoffs last year, a team that wasn't really going anywhere, a team that people thought that Devin Booker was probably going to request a trade from at one point. Uh, and if he can bring them to a championship, then that solidifies him as, gosh, you want to say top five point guard of all time? You want to say top three point guard of all time? That will put them, that'll put him up there. Uh, just the fact that he took, he didn't take a team that was a championship contender and then win a championship with them. No, he took a team that was not uh, in the conversation uh, to a championship if that happens. So if he wins, absolutely solidifies it. If he loses, doesn't really do much to his uh, to legacy. He's already one of the greatest. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself, man. Chris Paul, we've seen his accolades. He's done it all from the point guard position. Really, truly revolutionized the point guard position on both ends of the floor from being an offensive savant to a great defender to an elite playmaker to a leader, all that bundled in one. And I mean, uh, when it comes to winning a championship, not everyone is meant to win. If that's the case, then rings and championships wouldn't be as valued as, as what we think right now. Um, there's always going to be great players who will, will never win a championship, but that shouldn't diminish their legacy as being a great player in this league. And, if Chris Paul doesn't end up winning a ring this year, he's going to be one of the greatest point guards to ever play the game. And that simple as that, it cannot be debated. Like you mentioned, you talked about the guys in the past, like the Charles Barkleys of the world, like the, you know, the Carl Malones of the world, like all these great players that haven't won a championship, but they're bona fide Hall of Famers, bona fide superstars, bona fide, you know, top X players of all time. So with that being said, if Chris Paul were to win a championship, by all means, it really solidifies him. I think it puts him in the top three right now. He's top five. And if he doesn't win a championship this year, I think he still stays top five. But if he wins a ring, he might be flirting with the top three position. So yeah, I, I mean, add on to that. Yeah. I mean, I think rings, you know, I think the, the, the longevity of someone's career and what they do in their career should be enough to solidify their legacy. And rings just are the added bonus to it. James Jones. How many rings does James Jones have? He's, he's not a hall of famer, but he has a ton of rings. But it doesn't matter because he's what he did in his career, not really, not really anything special. There's a lot of guys who won a lot of rings and didn't do much uh, to get into the Hall of Fame, didn't do much to get into you know the conversation of best at their position or whatever. So I think what a, what a guy does in his career, that enough is able to solidify where his stature is, whether he rings, win, wins a ring or not. And if he wins a ring, then great. It just adds to it. But I don't think not winning a ring takes away from anyone's legacy. You know, if LeBron James never wins a ring, I don't think it takes away from his legacy either. Uh, you know, what you do, you know, on the court, what you do, you know, in the playoffs, how, like how you affect teams, how you generate money for your cities that you play for and, and just the overall vibe, that's what solidifies you. And then, you know, the added bonus is the championships, but I don't think it takes away from anyone, especially Chris Paul. Wait, speaking about LeBron James, I think that the only difference that I would say is that if you're labeled the best player in the league for a long duration of time, I still think that rings is definitely something that needs to be considered, don't you think? Because when we're talking about guys like Chris Paul or even like Charles Barkley and others, like they never been the best player in the league for a duration of time. Uh, so when you're looking at guys like LeBron James or even a Kobe Bryant or like a Michael Jordan or the case may be, I feel like the rings and the championships in terms of the expectation to win 
is definitely under a microscope. Like you really need to somehow solidify something like that in order to be considered the greatest or be in the talks of being the greatest player. Yeah. Of all time. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, even look at, look at LeBron, for example. I mean, look at how much people try to diminish all of his championship rings. You know, you, oh, he played with uh, Bosch and Wade. Oh, he played in a two lockout seasons. Oh, he played, he had a Mickey Mouse ring in, in Disney World. Loki you know, times. oh, you know, if it, <laughs> see, this is what we're talking about here. This is what we're talking about here. You know, oh, if Draymond Green didn't get ejected, you know, the, the, the Skip Baylesses of the world will always try to, you know, diminish him for winning championships. He has four. Uh, and you know they, he's, people still try to diminish it, so that's why I don't put as much emphasis on rings because there's still going to be debate even if you do ring a ring. Oh, if it wasn't for this guy hitting this shot, if it wasn't for Steve Kerr hitting this shot or John Paxson, then where would Michael Jordan be? Or th- you know what rings are rings, no matter how you got them, uh, you know it, it just adds to the legacy, but it doesn't diminish it if you if it if you lose. Maybe LeBron might be a different topic because, like you said, he is the greatest player in the league, uh, and he has been for a long time. And he has that kind of stature as like one of the best ever, period. Um, so maybe LeBron's a different topic. But as for Chris Paul, yeah, it doesn't take away from anything. Agreed. All right. So that wraps up Blockboy Talk. And that wraps up our episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, GamePoint Pod on IG and GamePoint Pod underscore on Twitter. We are on Spotify and Apple platforms as well as Google Podcasts. Add review if you can. That'd be greatly appreciated. Yazin, is there anything you'd like to add before we end it off? Uh, I mean, I, I hope the Suns fan is not listening to this and doesn't come after me too. I don't want the smoke. I do not want the smoke. All right, go go Suns, go Suns, absolutely, hundred percent. You, I'm riding with you, dog. I'm riding with you. Just, 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 please stay away from me. Oh, big facts. All right. With that being said, we'll end it off. That's game. <laughs>